Welcome back for episode 39 of Focus Fire Chat, recorded live on July 13th, 2016 on Twitch.tv. A big shout out to the chat here. Thank you so much for spending your evening with us. This is your host, Blue Crew 86 Alongside me, we have the man who it has been said has the voice of a flower, Justin Sane 0516. Evening all. Next up is the third member of our merry little band, our friendly neighborhood spokesman for Payin, Steeman Willie Beeman. Payin be with you, my children. The topic of today's chat is going to be the Crota Inn's raid. Before we get into that, however, I did want to run through a few quick notes. In our last chat, we took a look at the lore of Guardian Weapons. If you missed that and have any interest in hearing our thoughts, please be sure to check out www.focusfirechat.com for archives of all previous chats, as well as links to all our various other pages. If you don't mind, please give us some feedback on iTunes or through our email, focusfirechat at gmail.com, to let us know how we're doing. As many of you already know, Focus Fire Chat is a cross-community gathering where the intent is to offer a week-long, in-depth view of a particular subject from within the lore of Destiny and other games. This chat begins every Tuesday morning and runs until the following Tuesday, with topics decided by the group via a poll that begins every Friday and ends on the Tuesday morning of the new chat. Every Wednesday at around 10 p.m. Central, we get together to stream a recap of the previous week's chat for those who are unable to participate. Our next chat's going to be a discussion on the lore surrounding the first Crota fire team. So with all that, let's go ahead and dive into the lore of the Crota End Raid. Alrighty, and with that... Um... We're going to be covering actually the first Crow to Fire team next week. So if you anybody's bugged about us not talking about them, we're going to be doing plenty of talking about them. And uh, I mean, they're still in the grimoire here. I think we actually only have this uh, one grimoire card, right, Blue? Yeah, I mean, everything else is pretty much said from the perspective of the Fire team. Um, so I tried to and even. Yeah, even the Crota's end card is too. It's from Ariana yeah. Three. So yeah, and I mean, it's it's a kind of a it's a weird thing because like our raid experience is obviously drastically different than the the infamous first fire teams because you know we walked we out got it done. Yeah, and oh, well, um, we're gonna talk about that later. But I want to yeah. know exactly like, am I the only one that has a problem placing all the deaths? Well, well, no, that's mm, off topic. I'm sorry, yeah. Blue. Blue's gonna. No, for, I mean death. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, deaths. We'll talk. We'll definitely talk about that next week because I know that. Yeah, we'll do that next. That's week. chat going off right now on that. So, but let's let's read that. You want to read that Crota's in card, the very first yeah, one, just yeah, to get us started. My name is Ariana Three, disciple of the Praxic Warlocks, marked by the commemorant seal, survivor of the Great Disaster. The day we set out to retake our moon, united host of thousands, and found ourselves outmatched by one hive champion of unspeakable power. The monster's name is Crota. He killed my friends face to face, one by one, and he relished it. In the name of all those lost, I devote myself to his utter destruction. This is my confession. 
if I transgress in your eyes, I ask your forgiveness. In our world, Crota seemed invincible. Together, Eris Morn and I worked the problem, but found no hope. We sought forbidden knowledge, the exiled master of Hive Arcana. We found Toland. Toland tells us that Crota's presence in our world is a shadow, that its true power resides in the netherworld forged by his will. We must pass through a keyhole between realities, navigate the seething midnight of Crota's world mind, and overthrow the ascendant champions that gather to his throne. Toland speaks. He hardly seems mad at times of the terrible things that await us. A secret song that he hungers to learn. And the issue of that song. An ashen burning star husk that looms above. The utter antithesis of life. He talks of it with a curious ambition I do not want to understand. Tomorrow I will ask Aga, Mota, and Tarlo, R.I.P. Valtarlo, if they will go with us. If we fail, I leave this record for Guardians to come. Remember us. Even that card seems like it's based, you know, pretty much on the team themselves, which mm-hmm. that's going to be an awesome episode, I think. Um, but, you know, we, we all know that pretty much TLDR, in order for us as the players, I don't know exactly if this is how Rihanna and them did it. I don't think so. We actually have to jump into the Hellmouth, take that 50-50 chance of either dying or going down to little yeah you guys know exactly what i'm talking about like that was completely random and that was the one reason why it sucked to try to do crota for flawless best other than that best other than that is bouncing off your friends heads someone someone land in front of you oh my goodness man but you have to do that um i think we're gonna delve to, to the mechanics as well as uh lou and Lee said it was either Rhino or who brought up the uh, Taylor Taylor B or Rhino six six six. They they have we had some really good conversations about mm-hmm. um, actually about that opening because the thing is with the raid <clears throat> there's there's three main aspects of the raid you know they. And actually, I'm trying to re- I'm I'm trying to remember the individual who just got recognized on Bungie because he said something about raids that really stuck with me. Um, it was the guy who did Project Tiger. Uh, oh, okay. Um, Don't know his name, but... Uh, Helix. Helix3333. Um, he he actually made a comment, and let me see if I can actually pull this real fast because I read it right before we jumped on, and it just it stuck out really... like It just stuck with me. Um, there was something second. about raids in general yeah yeah okay yeah here he, is. he says the thing I like the most about raiding is how it reminds me of a dance there are the steps you need to learn but once you have them down pat you can start to improvise if it doesn't go to plan there's opportunity for amazing things to happen you can see players act almost instinctively and clutch a situation that seemed impossible, which in turn can lead to some of the most intense and nail-biting moments in Destiny. And then he goes on to say that, you know, the Dreadnought is literally a dance floor. And I just... I like it. Yeah, and every time I... 
you know, every time I've run a raid, that's kind of what's been in the back of my head. I've never been able to put words to it, but that's exactly what it is. And, you know, especially with like Vault of Glass, which is still my favorite. But oh, yeah. Coda's End is, and you can tell, you know, from a player perspective, there's a different, there's a definite difference between Crota's End and Vault of Glass. Um, we all know that well, they were they were designed by different individuals. And well, not only difference. that, but a lot of people would refer to uh, Crota's End as like a glorified strike because of the simplicity. Right. After right. a while, it was more of a run and gun raid, whereas Vault and you know King's Fall, which you know Luke Smith designed, is more of like puzzle boxes. I mean, it's almost like comparing a jigsaw puzzle. It's mechanic heavy. Yeah, it's almost like comparing a jigsaw puzzle to a Rubik's Cube, in my mind. Um, Vault of Glass. That's a great analogy. I mean, Vault of Glass, you had to to learn the raid. In Crota's End, it's kind of run from point A to point B, stand on a plate, summon something, you're done, go go to the next point A to point B. Um, no, now granted that is a drastic oversimplification of, you know, especially this, um, the bridge area and even Crota's fight itself, there's some nuances, you know, but so anyways, what I was going to say is there's three, there's basically three major, what we're going to call aspects of the raid. And the first one is the hell mouth, which is exactly what Willie has been talking about, um, and that's the moment that's where we sad. jump into the raid. Yeah, and that's then, literally that humongous hole right. on the, the moon keyhole. that you see. Yeah, well, it's a keyhole, it's a key but hole. I mean, it's, it's like the biggest hole. hole. It's Actually, not a keyhole. Don't they it, refer to it as a keyhole? No, that's the end. The stills leads to the keyhole, which gives us access to the Oversoul throne room. But oh, okay. actually, I'm pretty sure that the <laughs> the stills are still technically part of the moon because we don't actually we don't actually leave. We just go down into the moon. Well, I mean, at one point, it definitely does change. Like we we are just like fall. I, I wouldn't say we're at the center of the moon. I mean, that's that's definitely Crota's throne world. Especially with how pissed off uh, Orcs gets when we he finds out that we took down his son, right? Like, and he, like you, you have that that like, like um, if you can try to visualize it real quick, when you first start going down, you see all the the, the white stuff flying up, showing that it's wind and you're falling at a great speed. And at a certain point, you know, like the point to where if you're looking up or down, they actually straighten out they make you look forward mm-hmm. at that point those flames actually end up or that wind gets like a green tint to it right i don't know if you've ever noticed that but you know for me that's I, I, i'm and i'm not saying that crota's throne world couldn't be in the center of the moon no Probably no, no. if just. anything if anything I know we kind of talked about this as well is like some people also hold the theory that he did what we what uh, okay hang on let me back up Crota did what Oryx did to the dreadnought to the moon because the thing is is from the books of sorrow we know that the hive use moons as a um, as a means of transportation as a war platforms and so there's a lot of theory that the our moon, Luna, 
is actually not Earth's moon. It's actually a, a war moon from the hive. Uh, there's a number of people who hold that theory. And if that's the case, then we know that Crota doesn't really invent things. Crota's not the sharpest tool in the shed. Um, but he, what he, what he lacks in intellect, he makes up for, and usually in brute strength, like he is kind of a, he's kind of a sledgehammer. And I mean, that's what the, uh, his sisters are making fun of him with the, uh, black hammer and what's the exotic version of it? The spindle black spindle. Yeah. Black spindle, sir. The spindle dude, that card is great. But just the names, the names alone is a point to that, right? I mean, Crota provides us the Black Hammer, which we then evolve in, or will not evolve, but then there's a later weapon that's introduced that's called the Spindle. And it's it's one of those things where it's, you know, don't use a hammer if a, if a needle is going to do the job, right? And Crota is kind of that. Crota is a hammer, and you can tell that in in like the simplicity of his raid is really it's a it's a pale imitation kind of with of Oryx's raid. If you think about it, there's there's a process of challenging him via the sword logic that we have to go through, and so the Hellmouth, which leads into the the what's what's called the Stills, which is that giant thrall breeding room basically is kind of our introduction to the challenge to crota um and i know there's a lot of people who point out the lamps and they're like why are the lamps there you know blah blah blah. and the thing is is again point back to sword logic and also the fact that there's thrall there and there's there was an interesting theory that I kind of stumbled on that it was actually Crota kind of inviting people in, being like, "Yeah, come challenge me." Um, you know, that's how he gets power. And if you don't make it, if you're not worthy of challenging him, you f- you become food for the thrall. And oh, I mean, that's how that whole species lives. You know, that's yeah. Come at me if I kill you. You don't deserve to live. If you kill me, I don't deserve to live. That's definitely a recurring theme, especially when you go into later raid, the King's Fall. It's like, come on, come on. Here, oh, yeah, Orcs re- really taunts you. Orcs yeah, is I mean, really just like... Why, yeah, else, why else would Crota send the guy out with the one thing that could hurt him right into the center of the courtyard where you're, you know, where you're all standing? It's kind of <laughs> like, I, I dare you. I dare you. Well, and that's, uh, I mean, you know... To kind of touch on the King's Fall raid, that was the entire reason uh, Oryx didn't get involved when we were fighting the daughters, is by the own sort, and why Crota doesn't get involved with Iryut, or with any of it, is because by sword logic, he he can't. In mm-hmm. If he would to become involved in that battle, he would negate that other person's right to exist. Because it is only by that person or that entity overcoming the hardship or the trial before them that they prove that they have the right to exist. You know, like, <laughs> and and then there's also the fact that Iryut is kind of, Iryut is kind of the equivalent, well, she is a death singer, but it's also, she's kind of Crota's um, war priest, 
you know, the the challenge against Iriut leads to a summoning Crota, which we'll get into when we talk about the Oversoul throne room. But with the stills, that that process of running through that darkness and, you know, gathering those light sources, you also remember the high feast off light. So those actually might be feeding points. Now, what's interesting about those feeding points is that they explode. If we all remember that, so they're not they're not peaceful fonts. I mean, even even there, it's kind of uh, we're gonna if you if you try to if you try to sate your hunger too much, it will it will bite you. So yeah, and I would say on the other end of that, um, we tend to, as we learn from the once again King's Fall uh, raid. I can't believe I almost called that a strike like King's Fall is a true raid. Anywho, what we learned from that <laughs> is we tend to have an undesired for the hive effect on light. Like, um, you know, that's how you end up beating orcs is you touch the blighted light and you release it. And that ends up, you know, you're taking his tribute. That's how you eventually end up taking orcs down. Mm-hmm. Um, so for all we know, this isn't the, the explosion's might not be a natural reaction right for well, those uh, right. lamps right it's just uh we call them lamps too just because that's what we use them as because they're our only source of light throughout that section and um oh man i'm not yeah i'm not going to share that story i have a story about me taking six hours on lamps with on uh zero hour but i'm not going to go there continue blue well and so so once we get through the stills, you know, and I'm just going to kind of kind of like what we did with the vault, I was thinking we just break this down piece by piece. Um, once we get okay. through with the stills, we get to the last major area or aspect, which is called the Oversoul Throne Room. Um, now, this this aspect is actually broken into multiple pieces. The first is everyone's favorite piece, the bridge. <laughs> It's apparently covered in cheddar cheese because that's the only way a lot yeah. of people know how to do it. But actually, if you can pray, if you can find a team that will actually run this legit, it's it's a it's really really not way hard. funner. And yeah, it's it's actually really interesting. The mechanics is I remember trying to figure this out because we always run it. We always run the new the new raids in our clan. We always run them blind. And I remember trying to figure this bridge out, and it was one of those like I can't remember. I can't remember what it was, what the what the child's uh, game is, or the riddle is, but it's like it's the three pigs and the wolf, and you have to like get them across the river, and you can only you have a boat that can only take two, and you have to like constantly, but you can't keep like there's like you can't keep the wolf with the pig without something like there was, but you basically have to like shuttle people across, and it's what the bridge does. That's exactly what it is. Now. The chat had a really interesting conversation about the bridge because of the annihilator totems. And everyone everyone wants to know what is the annihilator totems. And there's actually a segment from the Books of Sorrow that that give us that answer and they're basically what's called sword stars. And they were they were invented by Crota's sisters, which you'll start getting a 
getting a theme here with Crota is there's not a lot of things that he comes up with. He he kind of is a Roman in the sense that he takes other people's inventions and repurposes them for himself. And that's what the Annihilator totems are. Now, the chat, <coughs> excuse me, the chat didn't really focus so much on what they were, but how they operated. Because you'll notice with Annihilator totems, first off, they always come in two. They always come in pairs. And the other thing is, the only way we can deactivate them is by standing underneath them. You have to have a plate. Now, there's a there's an interesting conversation we're going to have later about those the general plates. But the plates underneath the Annihilator totems are very interesting because it's, and there was, there was a lot of debate on this, it's almost as if the Guardian, our Guardians, have to interrupt the flow of power from underneath the Annihilator totem into the Annihilator totem in order to purify that, fly, that, that power or that light. Because you'll notice when the Annihilator totem is not being stood on, it's red. But when a guardian stands on it, it turns blue. And so I think the basic understanding that we got in chat was that it's actually the guardian is either just purifying the light that's that's powering up this annihilator totem or they're actually providing light of their own to negate the negative energy within the annihilator totem. So I don't know what your guys is if you guys have yeah, thoughts on that one it's a it's a interesting mechanic because the two are obviously the two sides are obviously intrinsically linked like for That's example what i was going to bring up justin thank you no problem yes the the <laughs> two annihilator totems on the bridge section of the crota raid um before anyone gets on them you're fine and like you said they're red um once you get on them, you have to be on both of them, and the plate and the plate in the center. Which well, you don't, technically you don't, have to, is, you don't have to be on the plate in the center. The plate to build the, the bridge. Yes, yes. Yeah, That's the, just have, to build a bridge. So, so let's just talk annihilator totems real quick. Right. So, yeah. To they will not annihilate you if you just b- both off of them. But once one guardian stands on one, another one has to be on the other. What if the annihilator totem? It seems like it's drawing the light from you. Like you're the power source. (sighs) See, because it'll start up anyway. See, what I was going to point out is the fact that, like, uh, I think I kind of look at them when you bring it up as kind of like weaponized or not even weaponized, just straight up weapon versions of the, uh, the sisters. Like, because mm-hmm. it, it definitely seems like they're entwined together. You know, they they hide their power within each other almost. Because, and it's not just Crota's end. Mm-hmm. There's also Annihilator totems in King's Fall, and once again, same theme. You have to be out there. I mean, in King's Fall, they're surrounded by poison, so you need the the brand. Uh, the brand of the, the brand. Weaver. Yeah, the brand of the Weaver, which is also an interesting name. For for that power to be able to stand out there on the totems, um, but once again, the, the the theme remains that you have to be on both totems. If there's nobody on either of the totems, doesn't matter which one, they both flare up and kill you. So yeah. it, it seems kind of like well, and we know a lock. No, go for it. Go for it. 
I was just going to say, it kind of seems like they embodied themselves into weapons. Right. And I, and I totally see that because, you know, anyone who's ever created something knows that a piece of the creator always resides in the creation. And so you're, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said that they hide themselves in each other, which would explain why they always come in pairs because, you know, exactly. That's exactly the trick that the sisters use. And the sisters are who created the annihilator totems um amongst other things well yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) amongst a lot of other things the other thing is is like you're right it they are they are guardian turrets basically you know it's like it's like crota's playing a a defense tower game against us with the crota's end bridge because the the totems activate when we activate the bridge when we start channeling and so that's the other thing that you have to keep in mind. Once we enter the Oversoul throne room, which is the bridge, Irute, and Crota, once we enter that, we are no longer in a physical world. We are in what's what a lot of like heavy lore nerds are calling the Psychomutable Netherverse. Um, and what that what that name means is, if you just break that that term down. Um, netherverse is literally a, a universe outside of our own. It's not our universe. Psycho mutable is a, it's a world or it's something that is, it is able to be manipulated by our will. It is not something that, you know, I pick up, um, I pick up something and I break it with my hands. That's, that's physically mutable. A psycho immutable would be something of I sit here and I think that I want to change, you know, I want to change that chair into a couch and it changes. And that's why with the Books of Sorrow, especially when the Vex are introduced to Oryx's throne world, it's it explicitly says they don't understand the geometry of the realm. That's why. Because the Vex yeah. until that point had not existed in a psychomutable world. They had only existed in the causal, physical causality yeah. of our world. Now, they quickly learned the geometry. And, you know, that's also why Oryx has a title of geomet- uh, geometer. That, that is where that comes from, is the master of the geometry of the realm. And so Crota's Crota's bridge, that bridge is actually not in the physical world. So the thing is, is when we construct that bridge, because that's what the guardians do, the guardians are constructing that bridge. Um, and the important thing here is that's where these plates start, start kind of making a lot more sense. And we talked about this a lot in, in the chat it's interesting to me because the plates that we start activating in Crota's End, if you pay attention to the sigils, they're actually the same as the plates that you activate in King's Fall. Um, and the poss- there's a possibility here that these plates are not actually... They are not actually the Defender's creation. They're actually something of a Guardian's creation. Um the other the other kind of nod to this is this is similar to the the sigil that Eris has on her her equipment and the bane of crota and the kind of interesting thing with that is that would actually explain why those plates are the same symbols 
because it's it's actually a physical focus for the guardians to manifest their light through during um, times where they can't just sit there and concentrate. So like during battle, that's why we actually have to restrict ourselves to a certain point is because it's forcing our brains to remember or to keep in mind there's a bridge. We need to make sure that bridge because you're in a psycho mutable world. If you just forget, that's why the bridge just starts disappearing because you've forgotten the bridge is there. And so as long as you have the bridge in the back of your mind, you are able to manifest that bridge in the world. That's yeah. And Dr. Nimbus. Yep. He just nailed it. King of shapes. It brings a new meaning to that title because he is able to manifest all these shapes and keep them in, in the back of his mind. And that's where the, the, the symbology of that plate, the symbolism of that plate kind of starts doing it's, it's like by forcing the guardians to remember, I have to stay here. I have to stay here. I have to stay here. I have to, even as they're getting attacked because they have to stay here. They remember, why do I have to stay here? Oh, because the bridge or, Oh, because I have to, you know, for example, lock in King's fall, you have to lock those, those islands you have to do specific things that you manifest your light into doing. So, uh, I actually had a question. Could it be that there's actually a practical purpose for these totems? This is the whole, this is the entry to Crota's, uh, throne room. Correct. Right. Well, what is, yeah, it's the, I would, I would say it's the antechamber to the, yeah, cause you, okay. I mean, you're already technically, in you're in his throne world but you're not in his r- throne room i don't know it, it's it's the antechamber is the way i view it okay well um anyhow what if these totems are um kind of a uh, tithing re- repositories they're places that ascendant hive would go and tithe their tribute to these totems, and in thus doing so, they would prove themselves worthy to cross into Crota's throne room. And when we stand on them, we're actually tithing our light to satisfy the totem. I can see that. I mean, that's the thing. Is like, yeah, I, don't, we don't I, I really, definitely see it, too. We don't really know much about which, I mean, welcome to destiny. But, um, but think about it. Think about the the phrase that that pops up when you satisfy the totems in the King's Fall raid. The war priest deems you worthy. You've tithed enough enough tribute, enough light. I'm assuming tribute is light at this point. Uh, if you want to speak abstract, right. uh, I think I think that might actually there might be something to that. I wish there was an extra mechanic in there where it drains your super or something so that I could really point to it and say this is the thing. I know but, that's well, and that's why I kind of glossed over because I was like, but it doesn't take your light, like it, it but it doesn't do anything. Yeah, but no, I, know, I don't I know. Gotcha. I see what you're saying. I, it, does. Um, it makes sense, except for the it, doesn't take your light, like your your literal yeah. light. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but me and my raid team do it. We have just like orbs of light everywhere. So if they really wanted life light, there's like a huge buffet right in the center, like all day while we finish that. Um, I I still see the annihilator totems as weapons personally. Um, 
And I would lean more toward Blue going way back to when we originally started talking about this. I, I lean more toward the fact that we use our light to cleanse the light going through, because obviously mm-hmm. they're using light. Mm-hmm. Like <clears throat> that, That's what the hive do. The only difference between us and the hive is they like to corrupt the light first, you know? Well, only Oryx that we know of. Well, I mean, it changes the nature of the light. Right. I mean, everyone else just seems to consume it in its its unadulterated form. Like, it doesn't... Oryx is the only one that had, like, the giant... Well, actually, yeah, Oryx is the only one who can control darkness (laughs) because he's the taking king. As for the bridge, like, I see us as, like, I see it more as us using our light to power the bridge. Right. No, 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 no. Yes, exactly. That's exactly what it is. But that's why I was saying the plates are the, okay, um, um, has any, have you guys played? I see them like plugs. Yeah, they kind of are. I I view them more Um, at, I, I view them more as, um. God, okay, D and D. Give me, give me two seconds. D and D. You have super nerd here. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. You have you have a class in D and D called a cleric, and that cleric has access to a form of magic that is not like the arcane magic that the wizards and sorcerers and that that ilk use. They have access to what's called divine magic. The main difference with divine magic and arcane magic is the way that it's manifested and the way that it's summoned. Arcane comes from within, divine comes from without, right? The big thing with the cleric is that they have what's called a divine focus. They have to have this divine focus. Um, The most common one, I guess the most common way to understand this is similar to the Christian's attachment to the crucifix, right? You all, we all know, uh, the exorcist, the power of Christ compel you moment, you know, where he has the exorcist and he's yelling or against the vampires. The you know, power vampires, of Christ right. compels I mean, right. Okay. But you, you understand that. You. Right. So yes. you get that. Yes, that's, that's you. a divine focus. And what that does is it focuses, it, it makes you channel your faith into an item right and that that faith in in D&D terms that faith manifests and summons a divine power so that's how i view the plates the more and more we've kind of talked about it with some people in the chat that's kind of what it becomes is it's it's kind of a focal point for us to pour our energy and pour our focus into through which we can then summon you know whatever and the cool thing about that is Whereas if it was just one garden out, I know we can solo Crota's in. But at the point where we most of us were introduced to this concept, we had to have a full team. You know, we are six six individual entities, all who have their own unique agendas, unique goals, whatever. <laughs> and the thing is that plate that plate universalizes the focus. It centralizes the focus into one thought, one deed. And it allows individuals to pour their individual powers into a pool of power to then, you know, have a more powerful punch into manifesting something, which is where that bridge comes from. Now, the 
interesting thing here is that the bridge is somehow connected to the ogres, and I haven't quite figured that one out. But it I is think a tough th- one. Yeah, and I think the the explanation that we kind of came up with in chat was okay. So remember, if you're looking at as the plates as a focal point to remind you of what you're doing, right? You'll notice that as soon as you kill the ogres, the enemies are gone. So we no longer are in a combat. So there's a piece of our brain, again, in the psycho-mutable netherverse, there's a piece of our brain that is now able to be free to just constantly remember the bridge. We don't have to use 100% of our thought process on surviving a combat. So we're able to, in the back of our mind, just say, there's a bridge. We just crossed it, obviously, because that's how we got to the other side. So the bridge exists. We are we are imposing our will upon this this realm, and the bridge is there. And I think that's that's the only explanation really that I've come across as to the connection with the ogres and the bridge that makes sense to me. How about this? How about the connection between the sword and the bridge? Oh, the sword. Mm-hmm. Bear. Well, but. Did that did that connection always exist? Yeah. Yeah, um basically you killed the sword bear. Oh no, they added the, the bumpers so- to provide us from being able to jump. Yeah, yeah, to keep you from spamming across, but you got the sword and you holding the sword, that was the only person who could actually walk on the bridge. Mm-hmm. So for everybody else in the encounter, the bridge might as well not exist. I mean, you can see it but if you walk on it, you'll fall through it. But you still had to have someone stay behind to hold the bridge. Exactly. But the bridge yeah. is immaterial for everyone but the person holding that sword. Hmm. Now, Justin, I'm happy you brought that up, actually, because this is where things get interesting. During the Crota's End Raid, we don't only have two Annihilator totems. We actually have four. And once, and I mean everybody who's done the raid obviously knows this mechanic, but for those who haven't, once at least two people get across, I would say three to play it safe, you want the people on the other side to be holding those annihilator totems on that side so everybody else can kill a sword bearer and get across. So, uh, once again, this shows that the... Um, Annihilator totems work as a duo Mm -hmm. because, you know, you don't have to have all four of them. Obviously, that would be impossible (laughs) to legitimately finish the raid. Um, You you have to do two at a time to – but at the same time, you have to hold it down with all the ads on the other end if you're one of the first people to cross the bridge so the rest of your team can safely get it across. And, um, Blue, I like the fact that you brought up the fact that we're all guardians of – very original guardians <laughs> when you when you bring your raid team in there mm-hmm. like i always wonder personally i think we need to do raids in general eventually because i want to know why Shax and zavala and all of them will specifically call you hive bane you know when your whole team amongst all these other guardians um which from a story standpoint i assume it's just supposed to be you and your team are the ones who you know did the raid and yeah and killed i think this yeah, monster i'd almost say that I'd they'd probably say. call all the people on their on your team hive band yeah. 
when they're around them. Right, because I mean, well, like, if, <laughs> you know, no, 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 no. I mean, like, it's just a so game mechanic wise. I'm sure it's a. Actually, no. If you haven't completed the raid, I don't think that that dialogue is unlocked. On yeah, the no, it's you're, not. Yeah, it's but, not. so and, so that's um, that's like, actually that's it's a general term for any fire team because remember also I think in game terms there's only been one fire team that defeated these bosses. Right, there was only one fire team that went up against Aethon. Yeah. There was only one that's, fire team that's that what went makes you Crota. legend. Right, right. That is exactly what makes you legend is you went into the Vault Glass, you actually defeated it. You killed Atheon. You went into Crota's throne world, you killed him. You went into Oryx's throne world now, and you killed him. Supposedly. Soon. Well, hmm. yeah, well, we're not going <laughs> to do that tonight. Come on. Please. Come on. Oh, we Please, do that? no. <laughs> Blue, I mean, I'm with you. I, I honestly, I just, I, in I, my I, mind, I see the touch of malice. I mean, he he says in the last card, exactly. I'm leaving this weapon exactly. full plus, of malice so plus, I, I may mean, live. Oh, uh, he has orchestrated so many, like, different pieces of different, like, he has imbibed his sister's intellect on trickery. He is, if I, I'm so, like, the only reason I don't see them bringing Oryx back is to not piss off people who haven't fully delved into lore. Because you know that anybody who hasn't read Books of Sorrow will be extremely pissed and blame laziness for them bringing back Oryx. Which yeah, it's not. Which we, it, it will totally not, not be the case in the lore sense. It, there, is, well, there are grounds for Oryx. Is to it that back. unheard of? Is it that well, unheard you, of to have a video game boss come back after what? killing him no, once? No, that never <laughs> happens. How many times did I step on Bowser? <laughs> I'm just saying. Having a few. I mean, how many Bowsers did we... In the same game. Use the axe to... Yeah, in the same game. How many times do you have to hope it's a princess and... Oh, no, it's just a toad. The princess is in another castle. Sorry. Oryx is always like, a toad. Oryx is Bowser confirmed. <laughs> I really think they will bring orcs back. I mean, they they can't. There, there's obviously a lot of us well, that are really so, passionate about this game, you right. know. And I think so. the other thing is, is like you have, you have. Yeah, I'm gonna just beat that dead horse, aren't I? You have a precedent of orcs is coming back, and also he's the only raid boss so far that didn't disintegrate completely. Yeah, he just kind of floats. Atheon, Atheon blows like man. basically implodes. Crota kind of just like melts, and then Orcs happens to fall back into a fundament-like planet. Oh, mm. by the way, speaking of which, just watched Agents of Shield. Oryx is totally going through Terragenesis. <laughs> so there's that. Have fun with that knowledge. I, I, I don't watch it, so I'm fine oh, with that. Sad day. So, anyways, anyways, the bridge. You watch it now, aren't you, Blue? Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a good one. They just introduced. All right, let me ask characters. you this: Do they have it starting with season one, episode one on Netflix? Yes. Go. Okay, then sure. I, I will. No, not now, obviously. But <laughs> after this, after this, I will definitely at least watch one episode of Agents of Shield to see if I like it before I go to bed tonight. Fair enough. All right, so bridge leads so the bridge is what what i've kind of come to call the antechamber to oryx's throne world um it leads I can't into believe we skipped uh 
Thrall and um, Thrall and what the hell are those things? Oh God, I hate them so much. Where are the things that shoot the beams Shriekers. in your face? Shriekers. Thank oh, we haven't you, gotten Justin. there yet. We haven't gotten there yet. So there's the hallway, which is exactly what Willie is talking about right now. There's a hallway from the bridge to the throne room. So it's like an adjoining hallway between the antechamber and the throne room in which you get to run down a really narrow hallway filled with exploding a-holes and shriekers. And if you do it really quickly, you get an extra super secret chest that doesn't ever contain anything. Right? Hey, hey, no, it has two, uh, it either has two shards is it, or is it, it has two, those were very important back in the were day. Those Thank you, sir. Energies. Was that ascendant energy? Yeah. Was, was it ascendant, ascendant shards and yeah. ascendant, yeah, yeah, ascendant shards and ascendant energy. You can tell that I you have would, not played this raid. This was my least favorite raid. So I, even when I had to play it, I was always having it. I always had to be the sword bearer. Ugh. I thought King's Fall was really strong. Oh, right? I love no, actually, <laughs> this is this is actually my least favorite. King's Fall actually has strategy. I've actually had fun in all of them. Yeah, well, you're you're I mean, weird, you're well, a weird little person. So I didn't. <laughs> Crota was fun. Tom Little, how how, how tall do you stand, Justin? <laughs> I'm six foot two. <laughs> yeah, that's not little. That's not very little. <laughs> oh, you are correct. You are correct, Nate. That was all. It was, was radiant. all radiant. Everything was radiant. Yeah. Radiant, radiant. Ascendant yes. was vanilla. Was ascendant? Yeah, vanilla. Man, I just which that's actually I interesting. Purged, I purged all that from my brain. To be honest, we got. Well, think about that real quick, though. We got ascendant materials from the vault raid, but we only got radiant materials from the the crota raid. Mm-hmm. Now, wouldn't we you took a think? Step back. Yeah, exactly. Knowing the lore now, like we had to become ascendant just to get into Orcs' throne world. So we, we kind of we were like, oh hey, we're on the ascendant path. Took a step down with radiant, and now we're ascending ourselves. And soon we're going to be Iron Lords. I'm sorry, <laughs> but I'm just so stoked about that. Honestly, like the, the thought of being an Iron Lord just really excites me very much. Unless. Atheon is Oryx confirmed. Oh, you stop it. <laughs> stop it right now. So, uh, sorry, that's nonsense. <laughs> so there goes Pan on a Chinese dragon. Yes. Yeah, pretty much. Um, blowing butterfly kisses that equal rainbows <laughs> is what that was. Oh, man. Okay, so after this little short jaunt, down the hallway with a lot of Liam Neesons and a lot of blowing blowing up thralls that all want to you know give you hugs. We get to the hot tub, as my raid team always calls it. Crota's toilet. What the hell? <laughs> Crota's I, toilet. I like that one better. I prefer to call that Crota's toilet. Crota's <laughs> toilet confirmed. You literally jumped it's into the Crota's toilet. Thing, <laughs> it's the same thing, actually. It's the hot tub slash toilet. It's just, you know... <laughs> They're recycling the water. Everything. They're recycling the water. Which, by the way, for oh anybody from Vanilla, all knows the water trick. Little did you know yeah. that you oh, actually yeah. can commit suicide. You just have to be standing in water, apparently. Shoot yourself in the foot. 
So it's almost uh, like they it's almost like they thought the we game. would have to kill ourselves there. Please, please tell me they didn't take that out of the game. I don't know if they did. We're I've got to go try that. Tomorrow. We're going to go try it now. Yeah. Um, so anyways, what this then leads us into is a sub boss, which is where we find Ear Ute, the Death Singer. She knows that unfathomable song. She she's the BFFs with another another name that we all might know Toland the Shattered. We're gonna have to talk about him next week. You know yes, that, right? I mean, he was part of the fire team. So, yep. So, Iryud is a Death Singer. Now, there's you know a lot of interesting connections with the Death Singers. Um, basically, excuse me. Basically they can rewrite existence to a degree through verbal manifestation of their powers. I'm trying to remember because there was something... Which is literally called the death song, by the way. Like, that is what it's called, is the death song. So basically, the chat decided that Crota was throwing a kegger, and it got too loud, and so we were called in to... Put it, put it down. You was doing a karaoke a little too much. Is yeah. that what happened? Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to remember. There was there is a connection that I had made to kind of explain the death singing, and I'm trying. Do you want to read the air Ute card? Yeah, go read that. Real quick. Yeah, go I'm for that, Justin. Try to find this name um, that I talked to. Okay, this is Ute, the Death Singer. Ariana, let's sing. Sing with me. No, no, you rattling machine. Not yet. It's too soon. We don't know the words. We'll learn the song down there. We can learn it from her. She comes up from the deep, dark places where the greater hive await to sing it to us. And here's a puzzle for you. The song is death. To hear it is to die. To know the words is mortal. Oh, good point, Ariana. Death is just a word, isn't it? A catch-all term for the failure to go on. Nothing spiritual, nothing with its own quiddity. We all died once, and it did not prove insurmountable. But what if? What if? Shh, listen. What if death were refied? Were reified? Described in its totality made autonomous and universal, separate from any context or condition, what if she could invoke the ending of anything? How, then, would she know the song and sing it without herself dying? Perhaps they know a way to make themselves part of the song, part of something vast and burning that rots and peels into ash but never, end, never ever ends. Perhaps she has engineered this for him, and pinned this power up against the quiddity of death itself. I am so terribly curious to know. I'm thinking the entire time I read about Iryut, I think Gorgons. That's just me singing Gorgons. I actually, I'm going to make another Doctor Who connection here. This is the note that I had put, put in in this chat. Um, the Death Singer's description actually reminds me of the Carrion Knights, which were a species from Doctor Who that used what's called word-based science, though it was often often viewed as, quote, witchcraft, to basically reshape reality. Um, 
Now, the interesting thing here, the interesting fun part here for me was carrion knights were were described as um, giant skeletal ravens or crows. And if you actually look at the Death Singers, that's kind of how they look. Um, but they were able to assume a more like human form, but they they often came it also it also didn't came at a very costly price for power so they usually didn't um but the cool thing was they actually used technology and then the technology was described as witchcraft and it's actually they say it's actually a word-based science as opposed to the mathematics of most species and maybe similar to quantum monomics nanomics um it relied on the right words and the right places and this was kind of in the episode with the William Shakespeare episode. So it was kind of the globe theater structure and all that. But they also placed great importance on knowing the name of an individual to give them control over that individual. And so the whole description of Death Singers, this is what comes to mind for me, is a carrion knight from Doctor Who. So, yes, have fun with that. <laughs> Um, well, we only have like what we have three death singers that we know of. Yes, we there, have there are four Irenites that we know of: Ir Halak and Ir Anuk, which we know Ir Halak and Ir Anuk are uh, actually Orcs' daughters. And then there's this other death singer, which, by the way, I do want to bring up that in the Crotazen raid, we don't actually kill Ir She's there at Crota's funeral for the last rites mission. I don't know if that was brought well, up in the chat. Somebody who has defined the quiddity of death, surely. I don't see is, death singers as being. Yeah, as really being killable. Easily, yeah, really easily killable. It's, well, I mean, it seemed like it was pretty easy for Ear Halak and Ear Anuk. I mean, we just had to kill one than the other. Well, we, so we banished We destroyed them. them. We didn't. We, because I, I remember, that's, I, not, I, that's okay, not their I, throne I see world. it from there, Blue. Yeah, I see that blue. They they definitely, especially Always. with them being pr- pretty much the princesses of the hive and mm-hmm. of the t- of the taken for that matter. We probably just did banish them to their overworld, just like yeah. we did with Ir Iranuk or Iriut. Yeah, because I mean, um, they're all ears other... too. By the way, I wanted to point that out. They're yeah, all ears. Bo, wait, Bo and I had a really interesting conversation about that. Trying to remember where it was a long time ago, but I was talking to Bo about the the title slash name of all the Death Singers, and there there was there was a bit of importance on that. Um, let me see if I can. There has to be some kind of importance to the name Ear, at least, because I mean, it seems to me personally like their 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 identity identities as individuals. Are Halak, Anuk, and Ute, and then they're all ears because they're death seers. So it seems to me that that's definitely tied in there somewhere. But I, I did want to. The only reason I pointed that out was because I did want to point out the fact that Ear Ute, she's not dead. And the only way to get the Grimmar card, this is just for the lore nerds that haven't gotten them yet. You want the Grimmar cards for Ear Halak and Ear Anuk? You got to snipe them slowly in toilet in Crota's toilet um, to no, make sure you you're not. I don't seen. think you have to anymore. I think they fixed that. Did they put it in the raid now? Mm-hmm. I think they fixed that bug. 
because I was really well, annoying. Well, fine. It Icebreaker. used to be the only way to get Icebreaker yeah, for dude, the win. <laughs> it took forever, did, but you could do it. It took forever. Exactly. It might have taken oh. forever in a day, but you at least you got the Grimoire. Um, it took Which longer than Justin. I see you now. <laughs> so uh, Bowu just gave it, gave me the information in chat. Ear is like giving someone royalty, so it's a prefix to a name. So ear, ute, ear and nuke, all those is it's a, um, yeah, it's it's an it's a language manipulation, but ear is from Arabic. Is- Ooh, and. This brings up a great question, too. So, ear stands for royalty, correct? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like giving. It's like a, a yeah. It's like a title. Yeah, sir or lady. Ear you royalty, unless it's because of her affair with a certain someone. It better not be Pan. No, of course not. <laughs> Pan wouldn't. He wouldn't do that to himself. Are you can. That's our Lord and Savior. Are you talk- Get the hell out of here. <laughs> Oh, okay. No, 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 no. She, no it's it's it's, it's the same. Isn't it, the one who, she so she had uh, relations with the Dark Blade. Oh, if I'm not I see. mistaken. Who? Here you isn't she no, the one? No, no, no wait, no, no. that wasn't that's her. No, that that's Veloc. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was Verok. That's Verok. right. That yeah. was Verok. Yeah, Verok. So ear ear is like knighting somebody. You know how if you are a a knighted individual, you have Sir in front of your name or Lady in front of your name. That's what ear is. Okay, in so Arabic. Sir without the S. Yes, in Arabic. In Arabic. Um, that's, that's the in the, Arabic. The similarity. There. The Arabic version of Sir. Yeah. Except they're all women. Or a yeah. female. Well, and you could you could I you gather, can knight. I mean, yeah, you can knight a female. It's just not very common. Oh, I know. There's well, the uh, it's you not, know there's the knight Brienne in Game of Thrones. Do we want to get into Game of Thrones right well, now? No, I'm talking. It's not that. very common in in <laughs> our in our context, but we know that the hive are very uh, very gray on the whole gender thing, anyways. So it doesn't really stand a reason that. That That's would be a hard and fast well. correlation. Right. One um, man and I'm a woman. Hey, now I'm a man. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, so that's your ute. Do you have, you want to talk about anything else on your ute? Um, I think we'll do the fang. I think we can we'll do order, weapons, right? But yeah, we can. Yeah, pretty well. And then, so that brings us to the final, the cheese master himself, Crota who doesn't like following the rules and staying on the path that he's supposed to instead loves chasing you all over the map to the bane of any sword bearer's existence. <laughs> Freaking. I hate it when he did that. We had, he would one, go time, aggro. We had one time yeah. where he went to clean his toilet. It was the most terrifying thing in the that world. That is terrifying. <laughs> that's that's just like, awesome. like, ah! Especially <laughs> when you were running seen? from him and you don't know he's there. And- <laughs> yeah, I'm saying, like, have you seen the Crota surprise mother effort videos yeah. on YouTube? Yeah. <laughs> you need to watch those if you haven't because oh it was so God. spot on. Like, you're supposed to be safe in the crystal room. <laughs> he is not supposed to follow you there. And... I mean, there were so many issues with that raid. Oh, at the, like, oh. oh man, a good so, time. So, so a lot of a lot of the chat kind of focused around, you know, that initial superhero landing of Crota's when he when he does the superhero landing, which is by the way bad on. Yeah, it's bad on your knees. 
it's bad on your knees don't do that um but mostly because the entire room reforms you know it repairs itself around him and i think a lot of the chat kind of agreed on the the reason why that happens is that again pointing back to the psycho mutable quality of the netherverse he wasn't there so all this stuff was falling apart because mainly it's a it's a point of his his lack of concentration on this and so when he arrives when he comes back and he's fully present all of a sudden it's like oh yeah we need to fix that we need to dust those corners those cobwebs needs to be you know he yeah exactly dr nimbus and chad he is the master of the realm he wills it it happens now the other thing is that's what this entire fight is about is your will against his and the other important thing that a lot of people you know kind of point to is why is crota so much weaker when we fight him as compared to the crota that we hear about who's you know hammering ghosts into knives to to crucify people on oh and that's all a screaming ghost yeah and screaming so, ghosts into knives so that's an easy it's answer. brutal man it is it is an easy answer but it's an answer that is it's an answer that is only easy if you read the cards and you kind of pay attention to the connection between the entities that we encounter in game that are related to crota the reason why Crota is so much easier for us to topple than any of the any other guardians is because we've cut the legs out from under him in the same capacity that we do with Oryx. We've destroyed Indeed. the pyramid. We we destroyed the pyramid upon which he sit he sits. He doesn't have the yeah. influx of light that he had from the blades, the eyes, the hand, the heart, the will, you know. The fists, the swarm princes, all these, all these people who were tithing to Crota, we've killed. They're dead. They're gone. So he does not have that influx of power. The same way that we do with Oryx by you know killing Crota, and then killing the war priests, killing the Death Singers. The same process is exactly what we do for Crota, and by doing that, you erode his ability to control that much power. So by the time we face Crota, he is a he's a shadow of himself, in in the sense. So, but there's also another reason. Go for it, Justin. They weren't they weren't following the mechanics of the fight. Well, they were they were attacking him with conventional weapons. They weren't attacking him with the sword, well, but which is the only about, way to actually about, harm him. Yeah. Oh, and they weren't attacking him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they weren't attacking him in his throne world. So everything they did to him on the outside was superficial and minimal. Even well, the first Crota Fire Team tried. It just well, didn't work out they well didn't for even, them at all. They didn't even get. Yeah, to but that. I think what Blue was asking was, how is this this demigod that that slayed thousands of guardians at mayor Ambrium, how is he so easily put aside by six and it's definitely right we we cut his the the legs of his tribute out from under him and in part by killing crota we did the same to orcs um, agree. um but also even with all that having been done if you don't respect the mechanics and the kind of like what Blue was talking about with the Vex earlier, the geometry of his throne world, 
uh, you're not going to scratch him because what happens in Crota if you don't understand the fight and you just spam rockets at him? He's going to kneel. He's going to get up and he's, you're never going to kill him. Right. I mean, well, you have to, you have to follow the rules of the challenge. Exactly. Which, which is what I'm saying is that's why it was an insurmountable task for the guardians of the great disaster for the simple fact that they didn't have the intel. It wasn't that they weren't, they weren't brave enough or they weren't strong enough or they weren't powerful enough. Shaq said it. We don't fully understand how this sword is able to do the things it does. And, uh, if they'd have had just a little bit of knowledge, they would have probably killed him. I agree. And I, I do want to point out, too, at this point, though, that Destiny, th- this whole game is about you becoming legend. So, I mean, we, we talked about this earlier in actually this podcast. We have done a lot of things that other Guardians obviously have not done. You know, which includes killing all the main bosses that we've gone through the raids, um, the strikes too. You know, Axar, the Archon Priest. Like we, we are the the whole point of the game is for you to feel like you are the alpha dog, kind of. You know, like you are becoming legend. Which I mean, at this point, I'd rather just play elimination and trials and pray to R and Jesus that somehow I get to the lighthouse one day, which will never happen. That's that's not R and Jesus. You're praying to the wrong God. <laughs> well, well, maybe, R and Jesus that's, has nothing to do with that one. <laughs> that's what you say. But I digress. Back to Crota. Um, I, I will say that there are definitely there's definitely sword logic in the way we defeat them. Like, you have to kill that sword, the, uh, what the hell do they, sword bearer. Sword bearer. Yep. To grab his sword, and then you have to count on your fire team, of course, to listen to your countdown, shoot him with Galahorn, and then you run up there and hit him with the sword. Um, which, I mean, I had a lot of fun, personally, during the Crota days. Like it was one of my favorite raids just because of the memories that I made with it, personally. Um, but yeah, you guys, I'd say you guys pretty much hit the nail on the head. Like he he does force sword logic upon us. He makes us. If you want to kill me, you have to kill my sword bear. You have to watch out for my boomers. You have to also watch out for my thrall and my cursed thrall. And then you're going to have to shoot me until I kneel on one foot, and then you're going to have to uh, hit me with that sword until it disappears. Mm-hmm. Which now I want to say it only takes six hits. You can do it in one sword these days. Oh, Back yeah. in my day, yeah. it was like four times. But so the I, other, I digress. The other question that a lot of people had was how does the chalice work into the mechanics and the lore behind it? And, you know. That's interesting. It's. It's an, it is. It's it was a fun it was a fun discussion because I think the general consensus was that the chalice was was originally a, a form of offering it so again, going back to the psychomutable thing, they needed a focus. And the chalice was the focus for the tribute of light to be sent to Crota. So you know, 
again, the mechanics of the game is when you pick up that chalice, you are able to regenerate your health. You were able to regenerate, you know, all that. It's actually a stealing tribute from him. Okay. Is, yeah. is, is us like, it's like, hey, this is yoink mine. And it's us using that tribute to heal ourselves. Yeah, so it is. You, I mean, you, would you agree with that? It, it's originally the chalice was originally because if you remember the placement of the chalice, it's on that pedestal or that altar right before his landing zone. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's a focal point for tribute to be offered up into up to Crota. So by us hijacking that, not only do we actually get that cup, we actually disrupt the ritual, which also allows us to prevent him from healing. So, and that's not unlike what happens in King's Fall. Nope. Nope. That's... I mean, we jump up there and we steal the the tithe of blighted light that's supposed to be there for right, right. Akka. Is it? Yeah. No, it's not Akka. It's one of the worms. I'm pretty, no, I'm, and it's not supposed I'm, to be Akka. It's um, Yule. But at the same time, I'm pretty sure all of the worm gods take a little bit of that uh, tithing. You know. But and you know, go ahead, go ahead just, No, you go for it. Oh no, I was just gonna say. Just given Crota's size and his scope, isn't that kind of a paltry little bit of tribute? Like, don't they need to up their tribute game a little bit? I don't. I don't think it's. I don't think it's the tribute. I think it's the channel for the tribute to travel through. Oh. So they focus. They they pour their tribute into the chalice, which then flows into. Um, think about you know again. Think about uh, Christianity, the Eucharist. You have the chalice. And the bread and the wine for the sacrifice. It's a symbolic sacrifice of that. And so then you consume that sacrifice. Chalice, a chalice is basically, um, <laughs> chat. Um, a chalice is basically a goblet um, or a footed cup. Like it's not, it's not normally anything special. Like a holy grail. Right. But in religious terms, <laughs> it is intended for drinking during a ceremony. And is you know anyone who's paying attention to the lore knows that the hive loves love their rituals, ceremony, and ceremony. I mean, they. I are, still think they, he needs a bigger cup, though. I, okay, it needs well, to be like a, the, the it needs to be a trash can with a table. The thing, <laughs> the thing I wanted to point out in the beginning, anyway, was like we don't have that chalice on the hard mode raid, which I would assume if. Story-wise, if the, if we're making a story with either raid, we're making a story with the hard mode raid. So I've always kind of saw that chalice right. as kind of like, uh, here's an introduction to this raid. You can regen your health as long as you carry this thing. But if you really want to beat the raid, you're going to have to do it without regening your health. One of the, Dead, yeah, but one of the really sets of mechanics is, is canon, and the others, you, you can't well, have both. That's one of the things that's Because we only killed them one time. But isn't that the thing that's hardest to determine with Bungie, though? Like, yeah. what's, no, it is. It is. What's game mechanics? What is strictly game mechanics, and what actually is game mechanics that fit into the lore? That's any like, video game. Sometimes you just have to... You just have to have a no. game that works, as opposed to a if game that resolves itself into... Crash Bandicoot no, is straight to the point. 
Yeah, but what I'm saying is sometimes having a game that works and having a game that resolves itself into a million different storylines is not possible. So one of them is most likely, you know, fits into the to the storyline of lore, and then the other is just a way to make that same raid harder is what I'm leaning towards. But um, I had one question before we moved on to items, and it's from a second ago, Blue, when you were talking about Crota's entrance into the throne room. Yeah. Uh, how everything kind of comes together. Superhero landing. Yeah, the superhero landing. Do you think that uh, the longer they're away from their throne world, do you think they start to erode a little bit, oh, yeah. fall apart? Or is that just messed up from the last set of Guardians that came through and wrecked his face? No, I, I think that I think the decrepitness of, uh, of the world is a, is a testament to the attention that the master of that realm has. And Crota, again... Crota has been sleeping. He he's been yeah. slumbering. And we don't we don't know and that was earlier in chat someone asked that. <clears throat> we don't know what caused him to go to sleep, but we do know that after the great disaster Crota was actually he was his chain was yanked. Like he he got pulled back by Oryx. And he was like he was he was basically healed. Like he he Oryx, Oryx called yep. him in and was like no. You are not. And we don't know why, but we do know also that that was what led to the Dark Blade. Kind of a. Because the Dark Blade was with Crota. He was the one who kind of supposedly was kind of responsible for Tarlo's death, which we will talk about next week. But the Dark Blade actually left Crota. I still don't understand that. No, okay. So, so the Dark Blade was with Crota. He was. He was. You know, he basically a knight within Crota's court, or whatever. However, that one, however you want to work that out. But he was with Crota when Crota destroyed the Guardians on Mare Imbrium. He um, he was going. He, I mean, he, we know he was gonna press the advantage. That's what any soldier would do. And Crota, Crota is not stupid, but Crota is a soldier. Crota follows orders. That's what he does, and he does it very well. And the thing is, is he's not a master strategy or master strategist like his his father or his sisters. He doesn't possess that ability. But so when he when he saw an advantage, he was gonna go after it. And his and Oryx actually, we know Oryx pulled him back, ordered him to not pursue. And the the understanding Which is, it's is still curious why. Oh yeah, that reason. I'm like, we don't know. Why. I don't understand it either because he he or, or I'm sorry, Crota at that point in time during Mayor Ambrium, he literally could have just came to Earth and wiped us out. It seems like you know he, from the cards. He it it seems, which makes you curious about the passive nature of the Traveler. What exactly? Because that seems like it's the only thing that's holding them back. That and maybe the war mines, and I'm not even 100% sure on the war mines. But there's well, something. Well, we only know confirmed one alive, so. Well, no, and, but I, I mean, mean, like, the fact that the fact that orcs can't take the war mines is the only thing that would have, would give them the edge. And it doesn't, like, but, any, but anyways, what, what that led to was the Dark Blade basically was like, no, this is a weakness. 
this is Oryx's weakness, and he needs to be challenged because he is not following the sword logic. Sword logic dictates that if I see an enemy, I go at it, right? And by by, yeah, by pulling Crota back, Oryx kind of appeared to be weak, and that's where the Dark Blade was like, Mm-mm. and he goes and challenges Oryx, which we all know does not end very well for him. He gets. He gets overthrown and he gets imprisoned. Alak rule. Yeah. Which do we do we have any definition for Alak? Like, is that a? Uh, I know. Would that be? I'm pretty sure all is similar, but I don't know Alak. I don't know. Well, that one. yeah, it's about to say. I think it, it, I'm pretty sure that it's Alak Ho. So, like, Alak would all, have to be the title if it is right. a title. All and ear are the same. It's the same Which, I, I mean, and with it being lore that, you know, we're only delving into specifically for Destiny, a lock could easily be, you know, a version of all. Yeah, a language Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, the Dark Blade exactly. was a renowned warrior, the same as Crota, so. But I did, I did want to point that out, because I know a lot of people ask, why didn't, you know... What made Crota go to sleep? Well, we don't know what made Crota go to sleep, but we do know what made Crota not produce. I was about to say that could have been made what or made him pursue. go to sleep. Sorry, you know he he's ready to attack Earth, finish us off, just like his father did the uh, Ikumin and. Mm-hmm. All oh, he's following. He's, he's following us. sword logic. He's been challenged, and, then, and he's gonna he's gonna finish the challenge. Exactly, and then Orts comes out out of nowhere and says, "Hey, you're not doing this." Period. So, Crota says, "All right, fine. Good night." Yeah. Well, I mean, going to my room. But, again, but no, but I mean, again, he's <laughs> a soldier. To my room. He's, I mean, exactly. But he's a soldier. He follows orders. That's yeah. what he does. And so, when when his commander tell when his king tells him. You are not pursuing. He, he again, soldier, knight. He goes, yes, yeah. sir, and doesn't. He doesn't question yeah, exactly. really or anything and like after that. that. But after that, what is he supposed to do? Right, He's which in is our yeah. solar system, you know. And we were the uh, we were the ones that were trying to take our moon back. So when orcs told him not to attack us. I, I just kind of see Crota being like, okay, well, if I'm not supposed to attack these guys that I could murder instantly, then I'm going to take a nap for a few hundred years until something interesting happens. That's yeah. just my personal view right. on well, it. Well, I mean, for him, a few hundred years could be five minutes. I mean, when you don't, when you're not based in a physical reality... It's not really <laughs> temporal. Temporal passage is not something you probably pay attention for him. It literally could be five minutes. He was thrown into a vex gate. We don't know how time passes for him. Okay, so talking about Crota and talking about all that, that brings us to the you know the the point that a lot of people care about the rewards for oh, what we that's do. That's what I was talking about. Um, uh, yeah, we're gonna get to the items in one second. If you were an OG Destiny player. You heard Morla doing Eris for the intro 
to the dark below. And she does definitely call Crota a god. She says, this is what the Hive call a god. Mm -hmm. We faced it. We lost. Now it's up to you, Guardian. And then from there, of course, once the DLC came out, we uh, succeeded in cutting his legs out from under him, essentially, by taking out the heart, the hands, all that. We'll get into that. But that was the point I was going for. And uh, I believe Justin wants to take over with the hunter items for Crota's End that you get. Yes, yes. I still, before I do this, hate to keep putting the items off, but I still, um, I understand in their parlance he may be a god, but I still classify him as a demigod just because he's not the top of the chain. Well, Tolan, he is, Tolan refers to him as the gatekeeper. Yeah, he well, is. I- I agree he's a link in the guys. chain leading up leading up to uh to Oryx. He still tithes tribute. You you gotta figure at the point that when this rate came out, uh-huh. as far as Eris was concerned, yeah. he was the strongest thing that the Oh yeah. According to her and, until uh, he was up there. Yeah, and then I mean she knew about Oryx. She always knew about Oryx. I mean, they call him in the raid Crota, son of Oryx. So she's oh, well, we knew. always Everyone known he, and yeah. Osiris yeah. and Tolan knew about Oryx. I mean, yeah. the shrine yeah, of they, Oryx they, was one of the first missions. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. So we had some really good items in this raid. The hunter gear was really good. No surprise there. Um, the mask. We had uh, the mask. Yes, yes. The you, you're mask. thrall, okay? Yeah. I think that the the items, real quick, are the best way to describe the classes. The hunters look like thrall. The titan master class looks like knights. No, you look the like strongest, of course. You look like you shut your face. I don't want to hear that. You stop it. It was an awesome helmet. And then okay, I remember what that looks like. It's the grumpy cat. Literally, pull it yeah, up. It's a grumpy dude, cat. Yeah, dude. Literally, pull it up. I can't lie. I hate it. I hate it, but it, it kind of does have totally a cat resemblance, cat. maybe a little bit. Oh, that's awful looking. <laughs> um, you shut up. How'd you wear that for a year, Willie? The best The best part is when they have... when they have, better than um, looking like a thrall. No. Oh, no. Glow who? No. Glow who on that helmet? Oh, okay. no, sir. So... Hashtag tarantula mouth. Um, (laughs) Okay, so the hunter helm was actually not a helm at all. It was a cask. It was the unyielding cask because we just won't quit. And uh, its flavor text read, the weak shall be consumed. And then, of course, we had the dogged gauge arms. The really good quote on them. One doesn't need sleeves to keep knives inside them. So pretty much, <laughs> I need no sleeves to keep my knives up in there. No. But uh, then we had the relentless, the relentless harness, which is pretty straightforward. It's just the splayed claws and empty skull of a thrall. Cry defiance to the hive. And they must think we're some kind of animal at this point because we're just like 
stretching their skin over our bodies and running in there and killing them some more. It's one of the best. Oh, you must have killed a lot of Thrall to make that. I didn't even know they had skin. We are literally Dolph Lundgren with a, with a necklace of ears at this point. Uh, <laughs> I, I saw you more as Leatherface, personally. For wow, Leatherface! Um, so then the tireless striders, which actually I wore, I wore my Crota boots all the way through House of Wolves for the simple fact they were rocket ammo boots, and they were awesome. I loved my Crota boots. They looked cool, too. But uh, their flavor text was, if there is no road, then it cannot be long. And th- those are your hunter. Oh, I'm, nope, I'm missing my favorite. My favorite, the Shroud of Flies, which looks amazing with Glowhoo. Which reminds and, me of the Deftones uh, House of Flies for nice some reason. Yeah. They gather where death steps. And so, yeah. That actually is ahead. a nod to the moths that they have. If you notice with, um, especially in King's Fall, in the the labyrinth where um, oh, the cellars. I can't remember what it's what it's actually called. You're like talking about right before you get to Golgo? Yes. And um, you have to navigate through the dark maze. Yes. And you if you notice, no there's moths. There are moths mm-hmm. that actually go around. And I think they're death, Deathwing moths, I want to say. But that's actually, they gather where death, they, they actually feed on carrion. So <laughs> that's that's actually a nod there, too. That's horrifying. Plus, when you talk, well, we kind of talked about that when we were talking about the curled wings of the honest worms. Remember when we oh, were yeah. talking about that? We kind of talked about that as well. So, and a cask is just another a fancy word for helmet. Just FYI. <laughs> it also all I said was it wasn't a helm. No, 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 no. I was just saying the definition of cask is just. Uh, so an unyielding cask is just a stubborn helmet. Is it? Is it a different? Is it a different spelling for like the container? Yes. Like a cask. So cask or, that we have for a hunter is. Oh yes, that's C S K. Yes, C A S K, and then this is C A S Q U E, and it's pronounced yeah. the same. But yeah. So yeah. and I okay. think I think so Willie really, wanted Willie wanted to talk about the yeah, grumpy cat um, armor. Yeah. Oh, you shut your face. It's not a grumpy cat. Okay. We look you, like knights. The best, the best part right, is the shader that, that painted the uh, the, eye, the like the little eyes bright red and on a, like a really dark blue background. There was a shader that did that. Which, Every time I watched someone walk by, I was like, oh, there goes a grumpy cat. Because that was exactly the first thought. Oh, as soon as man. I saw that helmet, I was that's like, oh, that's grumpy cat. Oh my God. All right, so like I was saying before, being so rudely interrupted, <laughs> we have a helmet that's actually not called a helmet. What it's called is Will Breaker's Watch. Go ahead, Blue. Try to find a word for helmet for the watch. I'll wait. It's your eyes. No. You f- <laughs> oh, I'm <almost> so backwards. <laughs> All right, anyway, Will Breakers watches the helmet for the Titan, and it says, Their howls of terror mark your arrival. <laughs> From there, we have Will Breakers Resolve, which is the chess piece. 
says their blades break against your heart. Which After actually, that, we have which actually this. makes a lot of sense. The hearts resolve. Of course it does. Of course it does because you know Titan Masterclass. Anyway, I digress. We have the arms, which are the Willbreaker's fists. Take what is yours. Which, of course, you know, being a Titan, you obviously take what's yours. Right, because you follow. Will, not off the top shelf. Not off the top. Willbreaker's Willbreaker's greaves. You. You had me read this just so you could roast me for being a titan. Uh, what? We would never do that. And, no. Anyway. Will Grieve him alone. Grieve him alone, Blue. The ground shudders beneath your feet. And then, of course, there's the mark of the pit, which says it was torn from a vanquished wizard. It flutters in windless air, which everything except for the mark of the pit. One. Everything except for Mark of the Pit shows the strength of a Titan. Like <laughs> Justin, we the, need to make a grumpy cat T Rex. Because that's what I'm thinking. Okay, so so let me let me just ask you about Mark of the Pit. <laughs> the Mark of the Pit is is a is piece this? of a wizard's cloth torn from them and even though there's no wind it still flutters period so and is this <laughs> is this the first titan fart confirmed <laughs> oh my goodness was it silent you, but that, like, you would go you cannot it. deny it you're fluttering bro you're fluttering there ain't no wind <laughs> <laughs> this is anyway. the this is the punch drunk portion it's of appropriate <laughs> that Blue reads the Yixard items, the the warlock items. Come on, Blooper! Oh my he, god, he's kind of the of the three of us. Oh my Blue, god! Blue, shut your face and read the cards. You just oh. shut your face and read. <laughs> All right, so the warlock grumpy cat came. There, I said it. <laughs> Hey, just because you're a T-Rex with a grumpy cat face doesn't mean you have to be bitter. Dude, um, it's not T-Rex because we don't have electricity flying five feet in front of us, okay? That doesn't make us T-Rexes just because we don't have this magic energy. It. You know, that is it's, like like, the, it's like I touched a nerve or something, right? Yes. I mean, <laughs> because it kills me. It kills me because, like, warlocks are like old school fell winners with their melee. And Titans are supposed to have the OP melee. If it's going to be anybody, we're supposed to be ones that hit the hardest up close. It would yeah, make up close sense. Up close is the qualifier. You, you do hit the hardest. <laughs> you know exactly what I meant. You took it the wrong way. I'll just cut you, bro. That's, that's what I'll do. <laughs> okay. So the war. <laughs> <laughs> the warlocks. Moving the majority on. of the warlocks yeah, gear is named after the Death Singers, which kind of makes sense as well. Um, the Death Singers' gaze is the helmet. It says the unnerving awareness of the watcher being watched. So <clears throat> there's that. The Death Singers' mantle is the warlock chest, and it's fashioned from war prizes taken in Crota's hellish cosmos. So again, this is pointing to the fact that you are literally wearing your enemy's carcass. And then the Death Singer's grips are the warlock arms. And it says, grip the universe, reshape it, disregard the screams. 
And then the final piece is the Borlock leg, and it says the Death, Single, Death Singer's Herald. And it says, frankly, it's surprising that these don't hover. Which I'd kind of find funny. I, there was another item. Well, the bone circlet. But hang on. There was actually another item that... Ah, I'll, I'll find it later. But there's then the bone circlet, which is the class item. And it says, a memento of the world Crota ruled. And it looks like a crown. But I know it's a an arm bracelet, bond, friendship bracelet, whatever warlocks wear. Oh, Lissa, Lissa the Lighthearted. That's a, another warlock. And, it's, and her, she's quoted saying, Gravity, oh, that nuisance. I never bother with it. That's what the yeah the Herald. And check out, I think. check out Watermelon's Exo's new Yeah, yeah, there's, a, strip. there's a nod to Lissa in it. It's pretty good. <laughs> so... So those are the armor pieces from the raid and you'll note you'll note you know again that there's a lot of nods to you know with the warlock there's nods to us wearing the corpse corpses of our enemies and the titans there's a lot of nods to sword logic um and then the hunters are just amazing so there is um there's a lot of nods to different elements of the raid that actually survive and then we have the other aspects which are the weapons and justin do you want to take primary and then willie you'll take special and i'll take heavy yeah sure floofer's gonna floof sounds good <laughs> so, i've got a and by the way who else has three eyes oh that's right it's the knights the strongest uh standard hive that we have i'm just gonna throw that out there before you call the sad kitten again it depends on your definition of strength um i'm I'm talking about strength strength oh okay so bench press yeah yes (laughs) so So you guys shut your faces (laughs) so excuse me sir while you hover over the abyss i'm defiantly waiting to do my first weapon um do your weapons you do your weapons and like it so I'll do secondaries. First is our machine gun from the raid, the Abyss Defiant. Um, most notably in its skill tree, it had what perk? Focus, focus fire. fire. Yeah, focus fire. My first, that was my first my weapon favorite. with focus fire. Yeah, my raid um, team actually hated the fact that I would main Abyss Defiant after I got it because yeah. they said auto rifles were useless, and they were wrong. You know mm-hmm. why? They were a little right. Because yeah. it had focused fire. <laughs> they were a little right. Hey, <laughs> hey you, you shut your mouth. What is now, wrong with you? Now they're Why right. Now they're wrong. Then. What, you're out here insult me? Hey, what's, no. what's, what's going on here? So is this, this a willy shaming party? This is the willy weapon. We will not go quietly is the flavor text. Um, <laughs> That's right. That here describes was, me perfectly. <laughs> yeah. Here was my really good uh my first real – what I considered a quality legendary primary was the fang of your ute. Um, this is the shape and the point of the tooth. Nothing has ever lived that will not die. Um, and uh, then we had a weapon I wasn't too big on, but the Oversoul Edict. The light of the will of Crota shines down like a vast and inverse sun. So again, the weapons kind of call to the individual kind of aspects of the raid: the Oversoul, mm-hmm. Ear Ute, um, the Abyss, 
then we had the word of Crota. There was life, and he spoke unto it, and it was silent and lived no more. Which I know is talking about Crota, but that sounds a lot more death singery than Crota to me. But um, just that he spoke, and then there was no more life. Agreed. Well, you got to remember that uh, Crota's really OP in Miriam Bream, too, so take that yeah. with a grain of salt. Well, and again, so, we know um, that Crota. We know that Crota took abilities that he saw as useful. You know, he exactly, he, yeah, he took too, so. he took the Annihilator totems. He took the Oversoul. I mean, he took the concept of the the throne world and stuff like that, and he made it his own. So it's not it's not entirely impossible that he would have done a similar similar thing with verbal attacks. This is true, actually. Good point, Blue. Um, with that point, are we going on to the uh, special weapons? Yeah, let's yep. go to the special weapons. Alrighty. First, we have everybody's favorite special weapon until it got nerfed into the ground. Black Hammer. And Still great. The, the, it, no, it's not. You shut your face. Anyway, <laughs> the... Um, it's nowhere near what it used to be. All right. No, you're not. You said still is, and it's not. No, because the original white nail perk was amazing. Get refunded. Great for walkers, bosses in general with big hit targets like Sepix. Anyway, the the uh, flavor text simply says, I cannot permit you to exist, which – I mean, you really <laughs> weren't letting anything exist that had a big, big, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Um, crit, crit point, yeah. I guess I will say. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, anything with a big crit point, like you would shoot with the black hammer originally with the original white nail perk, all that ammo is refunded, so you lost zero ammo. Now it takes it out of the the uh, reserve, so it, while you can still do that DPS, it's not the same. Can we all admit it's not the same at least? Well, it's not the same, but I mean, it's, it's still not an awesome good. sniper rifle. It's, well, it's not- no, no, it's not. The Black Spindle is now an awesome sniper rifle for bosses, but it's not as good as a Black Hammer used to be. Anywho. We have the Light of the Abyss, which was one of the first crappy weapons I got. In the dark beyond the Hellmouth, there's a terrible need for light. And they actually do not capitalize light, which, considering the fact that anytime they talk about the light in Grimoire, it, that's something to notice, is the fact that it's just light with a with an uncapitalized L. And then, of course, last but not least, the Swordbreaker, the shotgun, which was one of my favorites during year or uh, year one as well. If you're going to face down a knight with an Ascendant Blade, bring an Ascendant Gun, which kind of sounds like something a Titan would say. I'm just going to throw that out there. And no, it sounds like um, those are Cade would say. Yeah, that does sound like a Cade quote. <laughs> you, you guys would put it on a hunter, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? I bet they're I uh, bet they're bound I by love, terrestrial bullets. I love <laughs> Nathan Fillion as much as anybody else. 
but that sounded like a Val quote to me personally. Just okay. me, as a as an individual, I saw that as seeing something that Val Tarlow would say. R.I.P. Val. And Blue, I believe you have the uh, heavy weapons, correct? Yep. So the hunger of Crota is the rocket launcher and it says would you defy me i am the eater of hope which we know from the books of sorrow is the name <clears throat> name given to him uh crota by oryx which ties an interesting connection between him and thorn but we won't go down that road and then the the last weapon that we get from the raid is the heavy machine gun, and this is the Song of Ear Ute, and it simply says, it is the Song of Endings, which we all know is pretty accurate, um, as she was a death singer. And then the last, the last thing that we kind of have is the ship, and that ship is called the Light in the Abyss, and it says, from out of the dark up into the light. Which it kind of, I mean, the Light in the Abyss ship looks a lot like Eris's ship, which I kind of always attributed that quote to kind of being is from out of the dark up into the light. Um, because that is how she, she cobbled together a ship once we opened, you know, opened that entrance and she climbed out of the abyss and returned to the tower. Um, and actually, guys, I think that covered a lot of what was discussed. I know there is one connection left that I want to talk about real quick, and it won't be very long because it kind of, well, it'll get very, very deep into some philosophy, so I'm going to try to keep it pretty simple. Um, there was a connection made between Crota's, the the introduction of the Oversoul, because remember, this was the first time we kind of encountered an oversoul and actually there's a connection to an essay written by a an individual some people might recognize his name of ralph waldo emerson and this was an essay written back in 1841 and it was simply titled the oversoul and the the essay presents basically four primary views or maybe maybe five but mostly four and it's a and this is this is an essay written in our you know our world, so not really in Destiny world, but it says the human soul is immortal and is immensely vast and beautiful. And the second point is that our conscious ego is slight and limited in comparison to the soul, despite the fact that we habitually mistake our ego for our true self. And then the third point is at some level, the souls of all people are connected through the precise manner and degree of this connection is not spelled out. And then the final is the essay does not seem to explicitly contradict the traditional Western idea that the soul is created by and has an existence that is similar to God or the idea that God exists within us. Now, this essay is pretty universally considered to be one of, if not the greatest writings of Emerson. Um, and the interesting connection here is that if this is actually an inspiration for the concept of the Oversoul in the raid, it would actually point to the fact that the Oversoul is actually the god of the hive. It's not actually Crota, because the Oversoul is an animating, it's the it's the universal soul. So going back to that kind of theory that we've been that I've been tossing around about the anima and the light and all that, 
this is kind of the similar concept. So it's a very, very Aristotelian idea. But again, just a really interesting concept there. If you have any interest in that, please let us know in Discord. We can probably get you a copy of the essay. It's a, it's a really interesting essay. Um, but yeah, I mean, so that was go for it. In that paradigm, in that paradigm, Crota, as we encounter him, is merely a vessel for the Oversoul yes. to yes. animate or right. inhabit. Well, it is, he is merely a manifestation of the Oversoul's will in which it manipulates the world. So he. Well, I mean, game mechanic wise, the Oversoul doesn't show up unless somebody dies. Do we have anything on that? Well, he's he calls the Oversoul when someone dies, but yeah, I mean that's it's a it's an <coughs> excuse me it's an interesting connection because this, I think it's mostly because of the same terminology, um, which you know there's there's a lot of like I said I'm trying to keep it kind of simple. It, it's a really deep essay, like it gets really detailed on like Vetus and uh Bhagavata Gita and you know like some of the dichotomy between phenomenology plurality and transcendent transcendental unity um Emerson really delved into a lot of the philosophical implications of like Vedic concepts and stuff like that um so it it's it's hard it's it's like most philosophy when you actually start you like start getting into the the details of it it gets really complex really fast and that sounds like a really crap answer but it's kind of all I can do without you know probably spending 5 hours explaining some of it because I also I haven't read the essay in a while so I'm kind of re- remembering off the top of my head what I can um but like I said, if you if you guys want, we can get a copy of that out in the chat in the Discord chat. And I, I read a uh, a synopsis, I suppose, mm-hmm. on that essay on Wikipedia. And I mean, I'm probably going to check that out tomorrow because I haven't yet, if I'm being honest. Right. And it it the just the synopsis of it was extremely interesting, especially when you tie it into today's destiny. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and Emerson, you know, Emerson, like, was, yeah, he was, it, it kind of seems like they used it as a, uh, as a reference, like straight up. Well, and it would make sense. I mean, I mean, Emerson, Emerson was the way, if not the, he was one of the primary leaders of the transcendentalistic movement. So he, he was very, very big on, you know, individualism and, you know, pressures like of society and stuff like, I mean, he was huge, huge supporter of that stuff. So it, it would not be surprised if they have any philosophical bend at all talking about, you know, the connection of spirits and stuff like that, that it, that a piece of his work would not be involved in some capacity, even if it's not a conscious capacity. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that has stemmed from Emerson's essays that don't have Emerson quote unquote attached, but were influenced by his thoughts. 
like if that makes sense like the 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 conclusion of his thoughts that taught were taught to others led to their you know their presentations and even if that is something that Bungie kind of cherry picked and was like oh this is a cool idea even if it's just the name the implications of that name is it's very powerful as well so but it was it was an yeah, interesting chat it was a, it was it was a fun discussion inside the chat so definitely let us know um we're actually compiling we're actually doing that right now we're compiling a um extra what we're calling extra reading list of stuff i think right now we have merchants in the alchemist gate and then um i think actually we have the thanonauts we have we found a link to that document as well so what yep yeah. I must read this thing. Yeah, it's it's a fun one. So we have that up in the Discord chat. So like I said, you guys have something, let us know. But I think that with that, I think that's all the connections that we had in chat. So if we want, we can move to shout outs. Yeah. Sounds good. Go ahead, Blue. All right. I have basically one um well, I have kind of two, but we'll see. I have one. I wanted to thank Beaster02. Um, he he is a new patron on Podbean, and we just really wanted to say thank you so much for your support. Ow! It means the world to us whenever someone supports our insanity. And um, also, pay attention to shoutouts next week. That's what I'm gonna say on that. So there's dun, there's something there's something dun. in the works. There's something in the works. So Woohoo. Justin, what do you got? Uh is that it? Short yep. and sweet like always, huh, Blue? Mm-hmm. Um, Just like me. Just big, like me. Yeah, oh ha, you're not short. <laughs> um Did I just call you sweet? <laughs> what the hell's going on? Um No uh <laughs> So, my first shout out is to Blue. It's to Blue for for finishing the hard mode raid. Way to go! Despite his team. <laughs> hey, we were that, only there. We were only there for like four hours. I mean, it's not like we weren't there for four hours. Blue, come on. There for three and a half. It took us thirty minutes to get to Oryx and three and a half hours to kill Oryx. It did. It was terrible. Oh my oh. gosh! It basically so, solidif- it basically solidified my my entire theory of no. Wow. So you're welcome. Um. So <laughs> not so. And then a big shout out to Dod Chatter White Crew also for helping Blue through said raid. Um. And. Uh, also, I like a big shout out, and I don't have a bunch of names. I wish I did. Oh, uh, but uh, yeah, I do. I do have some names. Okay, you have some names. I've got two, so you you have the rest. Uh, we had an awesome uh, stream raid come through Monday night when Blue and I were were dual streaming. Uh, me on my channel and him on Focus Fire Chat, and just like what, like ten, fifteen people. Yeah, just well, like, it was originally it was like twenty or thirty. All of a sudden, it yeah, was just really like blew in the chat, just blew in the chat, started talking up a storm, and they were like, "Yeah, it's a raid," and they all just like kind of bumped around, and some of them came with me, and some of them went with Blue, and we uh we really had a good time. I like a special shout out for me to uh, Legato and Elsinger who, who hung out and played a couple games of Overwatch with Josh and I. Uh, really awesome. So thank you for that, guys. Do that yeah. more. 
And um, the the primary one who <laughs> who did it was Brendan Bambi. Um, he he's a uh, he's just a really cool guy. I think he's actually from Hurt Chain's neck of the woods. Um, oh, cool! But he and I think he he has a tendency to apparently just like when he gets done streaming. He picks a random person out of the Destiny catalog and just sends all his viewers to to raid them. So, oh, and cool. the, the primary ringleader that I remember was Middle Class Bacon. Yeah. <laughs> was that was that was the one I remember? But Which we, is an awesome. Yeah. Name, oh by yeah. The way. That's that's one of the reasons I remember. But yeah, not near the, as pretentious as Upper Middle Class Bacon. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, so both both of those or actually all those guys thank you thank you so much for that that was amazing and by the way if you stream that is an awesome idea i'm stealing that mm-hmm. we, i'm just gonna i'm gonna send both of the people that watch me <laughs> to, like, it's freaking alt alt and her to be like we don't want to and i'm like no go get it so uh Willie. Kurt only follows you just to uh, just to taunt you anyway. He does the same thing for me, um, which I don't know if I, I do want to throw my shout outs out real quick. Shout out, of course, to Blue and Justin. I mean, you guys have no idea, especially Blue, how much time and effort these guys put into this. And then I just kind of show up and read stuff and hang out, and they still have me here for some reason, so... Thanks, guys, for that. Uh, you know, I love you guys so well, much. We, I mean, we can't get rid of the grumpy cat, grumpy cat T-Rex. <laughs> oh, God. So. Bless America. You almost made me say something bad. Don't do that. You know what? It's not a grumpy cat, gosh darn it. It's, it's a knight. It is a knight, sir. A hive knight helmet is what it is, and you know it. I think I Moving found, on I think I found shit. the nerve that I'm going to be like... <laughs> No, I'll admit it's not as good as the raid uh, as the raid gear for Vault. Okay, and but it's probably the worst raid gear that any Titan has ever had. But still, no, it's not a name for cat, Damn it! I don't know the platypus. Uh, the platypus armor from Prince of the Velders was pretty bad. No, you've got to um, you've got oh to acknowledge that There's a king's fall now. a king's fall Titan looks like a, a uh, petrified dog turd. <laughs> really. <laughs> Really? That's where you went with that. <laughs> you son of a bee. You licked that white dog poop. You licked that white dog poop. It's okay, Willie, so maybe next time you go a different way home. <laughs> <sighs> Moving on in the shout outs. Of course, as always, DODX1 Foxtrot, you know, love my clan. We've been there through thick and thin. Some have left. Many have stayed. You know, I love that clan no matter what we tend to go to in the future. I know that me and this group of, I don't even know how many, I think there's like over 200 of us. No matter what, we're going to be together just because, you know, that's who we are. And uh, I take back my shout outs to Blue and Justin because they're being total jerks right now. Like, like, just complete jerks about the the crowd helmet. Like, no, why you gotta do this? I was why being a jerk this? about the King's Fall stuff. Blue's being a jerk about the crowd helmet. 
Yeah, well, you know, e- <laughs> either way. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't grow up me with that. <laughs> Let's get him straight. <laughs> I forgot either what that way. one looked like. Oh, man. Willbreaker's Watch, which was I'm actually just... not another name for helmet, Justin. Just throwing that out there. No, well, I didn't say it was. Not a helmet. I'm just, I'm no. just going to say that. <laughs> no, both of you. You're like the guy off the Guardians of the Galaxy that's Mr. Literal. I was just saying it's not a helm. The cast. I understand that that's a synonym. It's a synonym. Synonym. Nothing nothing goes over his head. His reflexes are too fast. That's right. Damn it. You remember this. Why would I put my finger on his throat? Oh, this guy. <laughs> you guys both of you. Oh, so, I think I, oh, oh, wait. No, no, no. Wait. Who did I? Who else did I have? You might need a Eugene oh, yeah. in your life. I did, I, no, I, I wanted to just throw a shot. <laughs> because I really did have fun with that uh, that little <laughs> mini Twitter battle with Pens earlier where he kept head desking. That would that was very humorous. Pens, I appreciate that. It brought a bright light into my life for the night. <laughs> I think that's about it. Um, I mean, oh, of course, of course. Shout out to Payne, you know, because he's our Lord and Savior. But no that, pain theory of the week. Why? Why? I mean, why I did could, you say I, that? Because we're off air. Yeah. No, we're not. Fine. Ah, uh, <laughs> no, no. yep. too late. Pain is the oversoul confirmed. So I'm sure you guys are wondering how the hell <coughs> could Willie type Payton into the Crotas and Raid specifically? Well, can I guess? You go ahead and guess, but I can prove is, you wrong, sir. Is Payton ear Ute? No. Okay, because that okay. would actually make sense. You lost me. <laughs> <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> so, like many, like Justin, are probably wondering, how the hell does Payton have anything to do with the Crota's end team or the raid? We'll go into the team next week. Anything. But I will gladly answer you. How do you think Eris knew about all these ways to cut off the tithing to Crota? I know. You think it's Toland. You're wrong. The almighty savior Payton himself talks to Eris. He uses Toland as a word that she's familiar with, so that way she actually takes his advice into heed, because like many haters, as Justin and Blue over there, if if she was to hear Payne was saying these things, yeah, she'd just blow it off. But no, he uses Toland. Payne actually sacrifices the the privilege, the honor he deserves for pointing out the fact that we need to stop this tithing. Just so that way Eris will relay the message to us so we can defeat this raid. So there's that pain theory of the week. Pain is Tolan confirmed. Go on, <laughs> gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, you didn't see that one, did you? But, Dude, I've been planning that for five days. Yeah, I'm, just for, <laughs> I'm just waiting for paying pay as a narwhal confirmed. <laughs> There's literally nothing that's going to surprise me at this point. 
I mean, I, I technically I could if you got the time, but I don't. No, think I, you really time. you've you've left yourself a lot of avenues to explore. <laughs> oh man, Payne is a multiverse theory. <laughs> I, mean, I was listening. Honestly, I was I was going through and listening to old podcasts just to see how my audio's improved. Um, and uh, it was the one with Bife where he read the the Legends of the Nine card. And he was like, Payton is a, a stealth platform, and he read them all, but he was reading them about Payton. I was like, that's exactly it. He's just everything. <laughs> exactly. I'm happy that you get it now. Yeah. Thank you. Payton is all. He's the zeitgeist. <laughs> He's the zeitgeist. Exactly. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, this guy. Oh, this guy. Man. No, I, I tried my previous statement. <laughs> the spirit you're, you're of like times. The, you're the John Snow Payton. You know nothing, sir. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so with that, we'll begin to wrap the chat up. Thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend your evening with us. If you'd like to join us, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash chat. Links to all our sites can also be found with our episode archives over on www.focusfirechat.com. Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any feedback or questions concerning the podcast and just to let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback on iTunes or through that email as well. We try to keep to the scheduled Wednesday night streams of the chat starting at approximately 10 p.m. Central. But if we have any variations, we always make sure to let everyone know through our Twitter account at Focus Fire Chat. So until next time, the lore band marches on. 